It is good to see us greeting each other and welcoming each other. And we want to talk about that a little bit this morning. You know, why do we do a time like this? It's not just so Don can rearrange some things up behind me or that kids can get out. There's a, a purpose that has to do with who we are as a church and how we, we be God's church as our theme is for the year. As I was reflecting on, on the theme and the topic this morning and, and reviewing some of our core values that it's been a while since we've talked about, I was thinking about how easy it is when it comes to community to forget. How easy it is to just assume that it's happening and not be as intentional. I don't know whether any of the other men have had this experience, the men with kids. Um, it is so easy for me to get fairly focused. Any other men like that? So if a TV show's on or like the USC game or, you know, something important like that, um, actually the Dodgers, that's right, playoffs Friday. I think that other team's in the playoffs too, but um, <laughs> it's easy for me to get focused, right? Or I'll be reading a book or, or studying and, and on my computer answering emails, and it's not uncommon for maybe one of the kids to come in and just start talking to me. And I haven't heard a thing. And my wife, bless her heart, being the good mom and, and support that she is, says, um, babe, your kids are speaking to you. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and then my focus is able to go to my kids and hear what they're saying and be in, re- in, in relationship with them, right? Any other men have that experience? Thank you for a few that are willing to be honest with me. And, <laughs> and is it that I don't want to be in relationship with my kids? No, I love my kids to just, just all over the place, to pieces. And, and, I, I want to hear what they have to say, but it's so easy to not be as intentional or to have things get in the way of that. To have barriers get in the way, uh, even unintended barriers that get in the way of me being in relationship with my kids. The same is true in a church. The same is true in any organization, but this morning we're talking about the church and how are we community in the church? How are we family in the church? And that's the second of our core values. We've been going through how do we accomplish God's mission for the church to make disciples. And the first that we talked about the last two weeks was outreach. And the second that we're going to talk about this week, and maybe next week, we'll see, um, is community. And then we'll get to spiritual growth and ministry, our four core values. And and after the last two weeks, you might have came away thinking, okay, outreach is is, is something we prioritize and that's what we do, Right? And this morning you may come away with saying, okay, community, that's what we prioritize and that's what we do. So which is more important? You know me. Absolutely. Yes. They both are important. And in fact, as we go through the four core values, those are things in Scripture that every church that is healthy and following God should do. All four of those things. And so all four are important. All four are significant. And we have to hold them in balance. And so we're committed to outreach, but we're committed to community, and we're committed to spiritual growth, and we're committed to ministry. In fact, discipleship out of necessity includes all four of those things. And so this morning, we want to focus on the second of those, community. As we think about community, it's helpful to just start with, okay, what is community? How do we define it? What is fellowship? Some people, have you ever heard the phrase, we're going to get together for fun, food, and fellowship? I love food together, potlucks, I love fun together, I love fellowship together. 
So what is fellowship? And I want to start with it. It might be helpful to say, okay, what is it not? What is it not? And, and as we think about what it's not, we're thinking about it's not just these things. These may be part of it, but when we think of fellowship, oftentimes we just think of getting together, right? Fellowship is not just Christian social activity. So it's not just that we get together and we, we have a good time and we've gone away and we've built community. Now, is that important to do? Yes. Is that part of building community? Yes. But does getting together and having a, a women's event or going camping together, does that automatically create community? No. But sometimes we just define it and we say, oh, I got together. I've checked off community. It's not just eating together, playing games together. Even not just talking about how we're doing, because we tend to keep that at a surface level. Those things are not fellowship or community on their own. They contribute to it, but they're not the totality of it. So it's something that was core to the early church. When it says they devoted themselves to it, this was important, this was vital, this was part of who they were. And the fellowship, the gathering together, the sharing of life together was part of it. And the word for, for fellowship there, koinonia, has a couple of different applications. The first is, is that, that it means we share in something together. We have something in common. Do we have something in common? Praise God, we have the best things in common. And so, so fellowship or community says we have something in common. And we have our, our salvation in common. We're part of the family of God. We have a common purpose. We share the load together. But then koinonia also means not only sharing in something together, but sharing ourselves with each other. And so community is the process of sharing my life with you. You sharing your life with me. Sharing even our, our possessions or meeting needs together. That's all part of community. It's so much different, it's so much deeper than getting together and going camping. That's important. That sets the environment where community can happen. But what we do while we're camping defines whether or not community happened. Have we gone deeper? Have we sought to, to help each other, to dig into each other's lives, to encourage one another, to connect? And so when we think of community, the definition that we work with at Village when we're seeking community, it's to build genuine, positive Christian relationships that spur us to Christ-likeness, ministry, and outreach. Let me repeat that. Building genuine, positive Christian relationships that spur us to Christ-likeness, ministry, and outreach. It's something deeper than just an activity together. Joshua and I were talking this week, our, our worship leader, and we were joking around because he's a big Green Bay Packers fan, and um, the Green Bay Packers just happen to be playing right now. And so he said, you know, I, I, just, I, I may not be in the service. Because, you know, Green Bay's playing. And he was kidding. So don't, 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 don't like write me an email saying I'm worried about Joshua. <laughs> he was kidding around. And, and I said, oh, you're going to do that on the morning we're talking about community? And he's like, well, we're going to have community. In fact, I'll invite anyone that wants to come and watch Green Bay together. <laughs> he's here, by the way. Um, because, because that, sorry. Um, that is, is a type of gathering, but it's not what we're talking about, about community in the church, in the body of Christ. A deeper connection and sharing of lives together. 
So that's what we talk, what we mean when we talk about community. Next part of your notes is what is the basis of community and family? And this is just a review of some things we talked about um, when we were t- studying through First and Second Timothy. But I wanted to put them there to remind us. What do we share in common? Why can we even have a different kind of community in the body of Christ than we can anywhere else, including with our, our fellow sports fans of a particular team? And there's four reasons I have there. We share a common salvation, a new life in Christ. Second thing is we also share a common family. We have the same dad. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And that gives us a deep connection with each other that's deeper than anything else. As heirs, we share a common hope for eternity. We're family. We're co-heirs in Christ. We get to spend eternity together. Talk about having something in common. And so we might as well figure out how to to get along and be community here. Because that's what eternity is going to look like. And we share a common purpose to make disciples. In fact, if you think about making disciples, it requires community. It's very hard to make disciples by yourself. Because you have to at least have the person you're discipling. And so all of these things are part of the basis for community. But we want to move on to, okay, what are some of the things that hinder community? Why is it hard? What can get in the way? And and like we did a couple weeks ago, I want to open it up. What do you think? What gets in the way of community? What makes it hard? What are some of the barriers? I don't like... Now I'm going to go home and wonder, does she like me? No, just kidding. (laughs) I don't like somebody. Yeah. I'm not going to take a show of hands. Don't worry uh, of who's felt that or anything. Distance, okay. Um, Do you mean like physical distance? Sure, we're very spread out. Clicks. I have my friends. I'm good. Schedules. I am way too busy for more friends. I could I could have a show of fans on that one because I think a lot of us have felt that from time to time. Not wanting to be transparent. There's a risk with being transparent, isn't there? Yeah. Fatigue. Fatigue. It takes work. It's tiring. Selfishness. Selfishness. I'm focused on my needs. This morning I want to go through quickly seven barriers and and solve them and look at some of the the ways that we overcome them. And it's really interesting because I think you came up with the same seven. Maybe one or two different, but just very close. Because we know what some of these barriers are, but we we don't intentionally overcome them. And so this morning, I just want to bring them up and say, let's be intentional as a congregation. Let's be intentional as a family to say we are going to overcome this and be different. And so how do we overcome barriers to community? The first thing we do to overcome the, uh, the first barrier is we need to put a priority on church family and community. We need to put a priority on church, family, and community. And this has to do with the barrier. We don't think we have enough time or energy for for church relationships. We, we, we fill our schedule. We have appointments. We have things going. And, and and I know sometimes that happens as as Susie and I were talking about our schedule today and it's just boom, 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 boom. And it makes it hard to have time for community, doesn't it? Unless that schedule is community, but that's a whole different thing. 
And so we, to, to, to overcome this barrier, we need to put a priority on church, family, and community. Turn with me to, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And today, I'm just going to have you stay in Romans 12. I'll read the other verses. But it was interesting, as I went through some of the barriers that I, that I came up with, every one of them was answered in Romans 12. I'm like, wow, it's a pretty good chapter. <laughs> and so we're going to stay in Romans 12 and look at some of the phrases. They're just short little phrases. But how do these help us overcome? And when we think of the idea of I don't have enough time and I don't have enough energy, really what we need to come to the conclusion of is that it's a priority issue. I haven't chosen to have enough time. I haven't chosen to have enough energy, usually because this may not be as important to me. And, and think about that for a minute as, as, we're, as we'll look at verse 10 in a moment. If I haven't chosen to make a priority what God has commanded me to do, then I am choosing to disobey God. I am choosing to say, I don't need to follow God in this. So this is vital. The, the idea of priorities is vital. In Romans 12, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Some of your translations say, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And that word devoted is just an awesome word of, of going above and beyond just casual relationships and saying, you are my priority. You are important to me. And the second half of that verse, outdo one another in showing honor. And, and it's the idea of be first in or be at the, lead the pack. Find a way to make it a priority to show honor to one another. And what Paul is doing here to the church at Rome is he's saying the community has to be important. It has to be a priority. The verse we read in Acts 42, at 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The word for devoted there is to, to stick by, to attach oneself to, to busy oneself with. Think about that with our excuse, well, I'm just too busy for, for you. I'm just too busy for more relationships. The word that, that God uses for be devoted to fellowship is busy yourself with this. See, the issue is we're busy with the wrong things. And God has told us what to busy ourselves with. And so that barrier is one we must overcome with setting different priorities, setting space for, for community, treating it as something that we will do, not something that we might do. And that might take sacrifices. Changing our priorities might take sacrificing some other areas. What can you give up to be able to be committed to community and building community? And Jesus set the example for that, didn't He? In 1 John 3.16, says, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. And, and sometimes we stop there and we're like, praise God, He laid down His life for us. We have salvation. But the verse goes on. It says, And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. In God's Word, He talks about how important community is. He says, As Jesus laid down His life for you, you should make it that much of a priority to lay down your life for each other. That might mean changing some of our priorities. Now, how do we do this practically? Uh, one of the ways is to come to some of those church activities. 
to come to church, to come to church activities, and come ready to connect. So don't just come wanting to be fed, come wanting to minister. You know, on your way here, just make it a practice. As you're driving here, some of you have longer drives, to, to be getting yourself ready and, and saying, God, who do you want me to minister to today? Who do you want me to talk to today? Pray that, that the Holy Spirit would show you someone every Sunday morning that just needs a hug. That needs someone to say, how are you really doing? And get through some of the surface level to something deeper and pray with you. So we need to come and be here physically and emotionally. Come ready to give. Remember what we talked about at the beginning of the year? We challenged each other to, to reset our, our village time clocks. Remember that? And, and village time often means we get here, service starts at 7.30 and we get here at 7.45. And we said, no, no, let's turn back the clocks. And, and village time now says the service starts at 7.20. At 7.9. Sorry, was I saying 7 the whole time? So you're all going to get here at 7.20. <laughs> no, 9.20, sorry. So 9.45, 9.20, we set back our clocks. And it doesn't mean we start actually the service here, but we start the service there at 9.20. And that's a time then to connect with each other. And that's a time to welcome and start including people that, that are new to village, that are going to become part of our village family. If we don't intentionally make the time to do that, it will never happen. Community doesn't happen by accident, village. It happens with intention. And so we, we talked about that at the beginning of the year, and many of you have been working at that, and it is such a blessing to see people fellowshipping ahead of time. It changes worship when we can start by worshiping together. It, it, it has an amazing effect. I, I challenge you, can you come ten minutes early and be part of the family? It's a way that actually doesn't affect our schedule that much, but can have a profound impact. Create opportunities to engage in people. Look at some of the opportunities we have, community groups and the education hour, church events, and even Cafe Village, the coffee cart before the service. But let's make it a priority to find time to be with each other. Then we need to, to talk, think about what we talk about, but it starts by finding that time. I just want to say a, a quick word. Many here are introverts. I'm not going to have you raise your hand either because that would be the worst thing ever. <laughs> I sort of go back and forth depending on what day of the week it is. So uh, a, a talk like this can be really difficult because you can feel like, man, he's saying I have to have 200 friends. The thing is, being an introvert is part of, and an, or an extrovert is part of how God made us. And so when we're an introvert, we, we like smaller circles of friends. And that's okay. I, I just want to say that up front. I'm not trying to get everyone here to be extroverts. It's okay to have smaller circles of friends, but that doesn't eliminate God's command to love one another. And it doesn't eliminate God's command to disciple one another and to bear one another's burdens and to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It just looks different. Some of you are, are so extrovert that you're, you're upset that you can only have 200 friends. Some of you like three. And as long as the number is not zero, go with how God made you and seek to find ways to, to include and be community 
with that circle. Second way to overcome an obstacle, a barrier to community. Selflessly and actively care for one another. Selflessly and actively care for one another. The barrier here is self-centeredness. And that was mentioned. Self-centeredness. I am here for what I want and what I need. And that's not why we come to church. It's not about me. It's about God and His glory. It's not about did I like worship or did I like the service or was Pastor Ron funny enough? It's did God like it? Was He pleased? Did it honor Him? It's a different way of looking at coming to church. You know, an illustration that I use in, in weddings oftentimes is when two people are trying to, to have their own needs, net, needs met, neither of them get their needs met. It just doesn't work. It sucks, 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 sucks. They're trying to suck each other dry. But when two people come together and are trying to meet each other's needs, both of their needs are met. Same is true in the body of Christ. If we all come trying to take and have our needs met and, and hoping that, that church is exactly what my, I want and my preferences and made in my image, it will just suck the life right out of our community. But when I come looking to serve, looking to get beyond myself and invest in the people around me, that changes the whole tone of what we're doing. You know, ways that this shows up. Um, it can show up in self-sufficiency. I don't need anyone else. And Paul deals with that in 1 Corinthians 12 when he says, can the eye say to the hand, I don't need you? And he goes on to say, no, we need each other. It can show us self, self-centeredness in, in church can show up in what activities we choose to go to. Do we only go to the activities that look interesting to us and look fun to us? Is that how we decide what we go to? Or do we decide what we go to based on how we can minister and be part of community? It often shows, can show up in just a, a lack of respect for others, a, a lack of noticing others. It can show up in our conversations. Am I pushing my, my thoughts and my opinion or am I a listener? Self-centeredness is something every one of us fights because it's the root of just about all sin. So the answer is to selfishly and actively care for one another intentionally care for one another. In Romans 12 again, a couple verses. Verse 5, jump up, to, up, up a few verses. So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The NIV uses a, a different way of wording that. It says, and individually we belong to each other. I love that idea. And that, that's actually what the, the words mean. This idea that I am not my own when I come to church. We belong to each other. And so, if I'm coming for me, 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 that is, is totally opposite of what God teaches the church is about. If I belong to you, then I'm looking to, to minister to you, to serve you, and you to me. Down in verse 16 of Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. He's talking about humility there and saying, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't be self-centered in in a community, in God's community. It can't work. So so the answer is to care for each other selflessly. 
and actively, to be intentional about that. Some of the ways we do that in Romans 12, 15, the verse right before that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Where's the focus of that verse? Where's my focus if I'm doing that? On, on someone else, right? Because to, to rejoice with someone that, that is rejoicing, what do I have to do? I have to find out that they're rejoicing. I have to know that they're rejoicing. The only way I can obey this is if I talk to someone and listen to them. To weep with someone that weeps. That's... That's going outside of myself and empathizing with them and entering their world. We need to selflessly recognize the moments in other people's lives rather than our own. The joys and the hurts. We need to be considerate of others. Put others before ourselves. In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. If we followed that verse, community would be radically different. Because now, I'm listening to you. I'm putting your interests above mine. I'm entering your life. I'm allowing you to enter my life. You know, another practical way to start to move past self-centeredness and it's hard because we're not always aware of it. But just go to something that doesn't interest you at church. Go to something that doesn't interest you just to be part of the body. And see what God does. Look for opportunities for God to work. And one of the other ways that we selflessly care for each other is by meeting needs. By meeting needs. Verse 13, also in Romans 13, or 12. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Contribute or share. That's actually koinonia again there. Share in the needs of the saints. Hebrews 13.16 Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And so part of selflessly caring for each other is saying, I'm willing to, to do anything I can to meet your needs. Maybe... You need someone to talk to it. Maybe you need to pay rent. But I'm willing to get past myself and to care about you intentionally. We need to get past the barrier of self-centeredness. I'm here for what I want and what I need. Third way to, to, to get past another barrier is to encourage and lift each other up. Encourage and lift each other up. This gets past the barrier of a critical spirit. A critical spirit will destroy community just quicker than you can believe. It's like a wildfire that spreads and destroys everything in its path. And a critical spirit is when we're critical of people, when maybe who they are, maybe what they do, and we pick people apart. You know, maybe when we're just really good at helping others know they're not perfect. Because that's our, our spiritual gift. And, and, and this is one of those things that we often don't realize what we're doing again, but it destroys community. It's really part of trying to elevate ourselves and put others down. And the result of this is it shuts people down. They won't open up with a critical person and it paralyzes them from trying anything. 
because they're afraid of what the result will be. Neither of those things are community. In Romans 12.10, we again see love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And the key word, I'm focusing on the second phrase for this one, that idea of honor means to value highly. To value highly. And, and I don't put something down that I value highly. If I, if I value you highly, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to support you. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verses 17 and 18 of Romans 12. Repay no one evil for evil. So if someone else is doing something that they shouldn't do, don't, don't respond in kind. That can be all kinds of different things, but it could include a critical spirit. But give thought to do what is honorable inside of all. And again, it's about honor and doing what is honorable. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We've got to be on guard against this one. It's easy to fall into when we know people, when we know people well, when we've lived a lot of life together. But a critical spirit will kill community here. Hebrews 10.25, a familiar verse, gives us the antidote. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, is as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encouraging one another. Now, you may be thinking, well, okay, so does that mean I never hold somebody accountable? Does that mean I never bring something up? It's the spirit in which we do. In Galatians 6, 1 and 2, talks about, okay, how do you address an issue? How do you bring something up? It says, brothers, if anyone was caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so, Paul here is telling the church at Galatia, Yes, you, you should restore them, but in a spirit of gentleness, but watch yourself. Because the act of even correcting someone else can lead you into temptation. It can, it can create in you a spirit that is just as sinful. We need to commit to being a body that encourages one another. The very next verse of that Galatians passage, bear one another's burdens. Lift each other up. Support each other. A great way to do this is to write someone a note of encouragement. I know many of you do that often. Be sure to thank people for something they do. Have an attitude that encourages people and what you see in in people. Would you rather be in community with someone that is going to notice when you're working hard and trying and encourage you in that and come alongside? Or would you rather be in community with someone that points out everything you've done wrong? It's obvious, huh? But we've got to be careful on that and fight a critical spirit. Fourth obstacle that we need to overcome and and the way we overcome that is to not just be friendly with others, but make them friends. Don't just be friendly to others, but make them friends. Do you see the difference? I can be friendly and stay servicey, right? Hey, how's it going? Nice to see you. Glad you're here. Okay, let's go worship. 
But if I make someone a friend, what's the difference? Any ideas? Spend time together, right? Relationships take time. They take work. You remember the answer after they walk away. In fact, if you remember the answer the next week and say, hey, last week you were sharing me about this. How's it going? That will make a, a huge difference of being friendly versus being a friend. Don't just be friendly to others. Make them friends. The barrier that we're, we're countering here is we're satisfied with and focused on our current friends. It's us and no more. I'm good. I come to church. I've made my circle of friends. And it is so encouraging when I go to church. I get to see my friends and, and we all talk and we even pray for each other. And we think we've built community. But oftentimes, we're hindering community by being only focused on ourselves. This is where the, the topic of cliques come up. And am I just around the same people each week? Do I just talk to the same people? And I, and I know that we have circles of friends and, and that is great, but do we ever look beyond those circles? Do we ever look beyond the easy relationships and say, I'm willing to enter a difficult relationship to expand the table and to expand the family? And so the answer here is to, to make people a friend rather than just be friendly to them. Look for ways to adopt them into the family. Verse 13 of Romans 12. Like I said, just about every one of these is covered there. Contribute to the needs of the saints. But then that next phrase, and seek to show hospitality. Okay, think about that phrase for a minute. What does it mean to seek something? What was that? To pursue something. In fact, seek in English is, is sort of a light word for what that word in the Greek actually means. It means to hasten or to move rapidly to. To run to. And so the command here is to seek to show hospitality, to run to it, to hasten to it, to pursue it. And hospitality is the concept of including someone in my life, of welcoming someone into my circle of existence. That's what Paul commands the church. Seek to show hospitality. Just three chapters later in Romans 15, 5-7, Paul writes, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may be one, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 7, Therefore, this is why He's brought us together, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcoming again, bringing someone into our circle. No, the barrier is we can be satisfied with who we know. But that's a barrier, not a benefit. How do we put this into practice? How do we seek outside of our circles to make more friends? To bring people into fellowship and community at Village? One of the ways is, is when you come to church, open our eyes. Look around. Specifically, look for people that may be alone. Look for people that may be standing out in the breezeway and don't know where to go. Say, here, 
Let me help you and talk and, and, and create a friendship there, create a connection. In the gym afterwards, as we go to coffee and, and get ready for our education hour, look around. See, we, we have a choice. Do I just focus on sharing the, the great things that happened this week with my friends? Or do I look around for people that may need a friend this morning? And that's harder. And it takes intentionality. But it's worth it. You know, another way, as, as we are bringing people in to, to church, is to connect with them outside of Sunday morning. If an event's coming up, it can make such a difference to have just a, a Facebook invite, hey, or a Facebook message, hey, we'd love for you to come to the potluck, or we'd love for you to come to this. Intentionally thinking of everyone here as potential family members. Think about that. Are we looking to create a family here, or is our family done? And we've got to look beyond ourselves. Those people that come and then go because no one bothered to give them very much time. I challenge us to have different eyes. To voluntarily ignore people on Sunday that we see throughout the week so that we can care for others. Sunday is a silly example but Sunday at church isn't the time for me to spend quality time with my wife. We should do that all throughout the week. Sunday we come to spend quality time with you guys. It's a different mindset. Fifth obstacle. We'll hit the rest of these pretty quickly. To overcome the fifth obstacle, we need to practice forgiveness diligently. Practice forgiveness diligently. The obstacle is an unforgiving spirit. One author described it as spiritual sourness toward each other. I like that. I think that's very descriptive. It helps me understand that. But an unforgiving spirit. When we're in, in family in our homes, there are opportunities to forgive each other and overlook offenses every day, right? Well, when we're in family at church, there are oppor- the same opportunities to overlook offenses and to forgive each other. But that's hard for us. And so it's easy to have an unforgiving spirit to to remember things for years, to hold things against people for years, to allow that to define our view of a person for years because we never properly and biblically resolved the issue. You know, in Romans 12 again, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. But then in 19, it gets more specific. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And the concept there is actually the the biblical concept of forgiveness, to let it go and give it to God. I'm not going to sing let it go right now. I have my own issues with that song. But forgiveness isn't about, oh, I finally punished the person enough. It's about saying, God, I'm going to leave this situation up to you because it's not my job to deal with it. That's, that's yours. And I'm just going to love the person and I'm going to bless them and I'm going to feed them and I'm going to be part of their lives. 
You can read Colossians 3, 13 and 14. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I love how he adds that. Just in case you've forgotten, you didn't deserve forgiveness, and God forgave you and saved you. So do the same thing to someone else. Here's the thing. There may be situations this morning that need to be resolved. There may be issues that we have against other people in this, in this very room. And biblically, we only have a couple options here. Either we go to them and make it right, or we forgive them and never think about it again. Anything else is sin. Think about it. If I'm holding on to something, and if I'm holding it against the person, that means I haven't followed the biblical instructions for how to resolve it. And I haven't given it to God, and I haven't forgiven them. And so an unforgiving spirit towards each other can kill community. And it's a barrier we must overcome. It changes how we love each other, how we care about each other. We need to practice forgiveness diligently. Number six, we need to take the risk and share life with others. Take the risk and share life with others. Someone mentioned being transparent, I think. Um, We have to be willing to open ourselves up to risk being hurt. The barrier here is we don't want the hassle or risk of being involved in other people's lives. It's messy. Sometimes they're sinners. Sometimes I'm a sinner. Or maybe all of us are sinners. And so relationships take work. It takes a lot of forgiveness. They're messy. But we need to open ourselves up. Again, think of the verse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That's sharing the most intimate parts and things we go through of our lives. Carrying costs, but it's worth it. Think of Jesus. When he had heard that Lazarus has died, and he came to Mary and Martha. Do you remember the story? And he comes and Mary is just weeping and she's upset. And she actually accuses him. If you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it says that Jesus was deeply troubled. And he wept. But he still pursued. And he still was in relationship with her. And ended up using that as an opportunity to show his greatness. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 15 when he's talking about ministry and ministering in a community, said, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I'll give everything to be part of your life, to minister to you. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? We need to be willing to open ourselves up. It's hard. What if I share something that that somebody turns on me? What if I share something that, that changes their opinion of me? 
But what if we change our thinking and say, what if I share something and that person is able to pray for me? And what if we can conquer this together? And what if I now know I'm not alone in this and there's a community that we can come together and truly spur one another on to love and good deeds and to be about what God wants us to be about? Be vulnerable with joys, with hurts, with trials, with your life. A great question to ask just in conversation is what is God teaching you? What is God teaching you right now? And that gets us past the surface to something a little deeper and it opens up the door to all kinds of conversation. If I can ask you if you're going to watch the Dodger game Friday night, can I ask you what God's teaching you? Let's get to the important things. The last barrier there is probably the the one real barrier. Sin and unbelief. Sin and unbelief is the barrier. The solution, be on fire for God. See, the only solution to this barrier is to repent and confess and be right with God. Because while, 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 when we're not right with God, we cannot be in fellowship with those that are. Because there's a huge difference and the basis of our fellowship is gone. But I challenge you this morning, if there's someone here that has never accepted Christ as your Savior, never been adopted into the family of God, and, and you're hearing all this and you're thinking, wow, community would be great. It starts with coming into the family of God. It starts with recognizing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins in my place. And I can give Him my life and be His son or be His daughter. That's where it starts. Don't let today go by if you haven't done that without doing that. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for our church that we would be a church that recognizes some of these barriers to community and actively and intentionally overcomes them. Lord, that we would get rid of anything that's hindering relationships and we would find ways to meet each other's needs, to care about each other, to be involved in each other's lives. Lord, in so doing, You've said the world will take notice that we are Your disciples. In Romans 15, You've said that that brings glory to You and pleases You. Lord, may we please You by being your church, by being a community. In Jesus' name, amen.